You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. And Dallas, I know that we've started a lot of podcasts recently with you uh, and your Oakland A's because of, of the state of the Oakland A's. They've been at the forefront of baseball news. That's not where we're going to start today. That's not what's at the forefront of baseball news today. But we are still going to start with you. Oh? Because in another realm, you are also at the forefront of the baseball news cycle. (sighs) Oh, that's right. Ahoy! Ahoy! That's right! The captain is here, and the captain is here to stay. From one captain to another, the damage from Captain Cutch, but the presence, the presence of Captain Reynolds, baby. For the next eight years, the man patrolling the high seas for the Buckos, known as Brian Reynolds, will be here to do damage, damage. What do you do with that payroll? What do you do with our spirit? What do you do with our standings in the NL Central that we have our hook in right now? You raise it. That's what you do. Then that's what the Buckos have done. They have raised the spirits like the tides of the seven seas for each and every Bucko fan across the land. Eight fucking years. This is exactly what we needed, Carabas. This is exactly what we needed. You lock up a mainstay and you show the folks, not only in-house, but outside, we are committed. This could very well be the beginning of something beautiful. Wipe that fucking look off your face. Which one of us? We're all out. (laughs) (laughs) Please be specific. <laughs> well, why the hate? I mean, well, are we I'm not saying, excited? I'm, not about this? I'm, I'm excited for you. You deserve this. I mean, you've been going through hell with the Oakland A's. Uh, I'm just you. happy that you, you're you are so due for a dub. And this is, uh, I don't want to say, yes, that, no, it's fucking. Sick. This is a dub at you. This is a win. Well, this no, is no, no. Win. I'm saying, I'm saying, I don't want to say that I didn't see this coming. I, it kind of oh. felt like uh, maybe they would get something done. The timing of it. I, I didn't I didn't think it was like around the corner, but I thought maybe they would still get something done. Um, but yeah, no, Brian Reynolds getting that extension. And I, I kind of want to ask you guys how you feel about the the price point. I tweeted this stat out this morning. Here's the class that Brian Reynolds is in. Since the start of the 2021 season, these are the guys who have hit at least 280 with an 860 OPS or better. Ronald Acuna Jr., Jose Altuve, Austin Riley, Rafael Devers, Freddie Freeman, Vladdy Jr., Paul Goldschmidt, 
Jordan Alvarez, Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Brian Reynolds. Those are all fucking names. Those are because I saw people mulling over like, oh, Brian Reynolds, like that's a fucking huge contract. Like he's like, he's a he's a nice player. He's not an elite player. That's the class that he's in. Those are all fucking guys. He's got an OPS plus of uh, over 120 for his career. Mm. Like he's a fucking guy. Mm -hmm. He's a player. He's a dude for sure. It just looks a little different, right? But I mean, I mean, but you're talking about well, 20 there's tiers to, to this shit. Kind of how like in the Hall of Fame, it's like you're all Hall of Famers, but there's definitely like, you know, like you wouldn't put, uh, let's say, Harold Baines next to a Willie Mays, right? No, you you could because they're both in the Hall of Fame. You could. And I think that might be some of the arguments that some of the other folks on this. You panel. certainly could. You would be a complete jackass if you did, but you could. <laughs> they got the same jacket, Jay. They got the mm. same tailor. Jeez. Mm. No, but absolutely. There are there are levels to this. Yeah. There are levels to this, you know? Yeah. Like, like the idea that myself took the same mound as one Dave Stewart. Like, yeah, we both played on the same field. Mm -hmm. We both did the same thing very, very, very differently. Mm. Very differently. So, yes, there are there are levels to that, but it's almost it's because it's unassuming. It's in a market there's not a ton of eyes on. And anytime there's a conversation about the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's about ineptitude and what the fuck are they doing? And oh my God, is this the organization that like basically couldn't figure out how to maximize Garrett Cole, who's gone on to be one of the game's best pitchers. Like, well, he, it cheat, just feel, he cheated after he left. Pittsburgh. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to deny that, but I don't think that, you know, he just, I'm just saying, let's not put this on. Bum. Let's yeah. not put this on the Pittsburgh pirates. Just not seeing something that other organizations did. It's just, he cheated after he left Pittsburgh. That's why he's oh. no, I think we don't need to relitigate that, but I do think it's absolutely <laughs> fair to say the Pittsburgh pirates missed a lot of things with their pitching development. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, with they, Glass they, now, they completely missed the whole high fastball thing. They were still doing the ground ball thing way super. past, yeah, way past ex expiration date. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Well, it is. I mean, that was that was the one conversation that Cole had. If you remember, fastballs up, curveballs down. Well, and he he said, "I walked out of Houston. I walked out of the meeting with Houston, like believing I was going to dominate the world." And then he did. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This isn't about Garrett Cole. This is about Brian Reynolds and the Pirates organization right now. <laughs> you, you're damn right it is. You're <laughs> yeah. damn right it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I love this. I mean, obviously, for a lot of reasons, but you do. You hope that somewhere, oh, somewhere deep down in your own Davy Jones locker <laughs> that uh, that this is a sign of things to come. Like, you want that to be the case. You want this to be essentially what the foundation what it should be like this is exactly that this is the brick this is the foundation this is i mean whatever superlative or, or you know you want to do it just i don't know how you don't like this i don't know how you don't get excited about this jay hey, you did, feel like it's did, a, did brian reynolds leave money on the table and if so how much i think that's a really interesting question because i think on a what what grabbed me about this is that it felt like the right amount of total dollars at a surprisingly low average annual value. And I know we've kind of 
the pirates aren't up against any sort of luxury tax and never will be. So I don't think that's factoring in here. But there's no doubt that like he's only I say only he's only getting about 13 million dollars per season on this contract, which for the for the production that you laid out to start the Brian Reynolds segment is an insane value. Right. Even if it's even if his his production moving forward is more like 2022 than 2021, 2021, he was like a a down ballot MVP candidate. Right. Whereas in 2022, he was more like kind of like a, a fringe low level all star, even if he's just the all star version. And he looks better than that this year. This is a tremendous deal for the Pirates. And like, you know, I scoffed at the end of Dallas's thing in part because, you know, he said this is an indication that the ownership is invested. And like, that's the part I would push back on. They've signed two key guys long term at this point, right? They've signed Reynolds to an eight year, $106 million deal. And they've signed Brian Hayes to an eight year, $70 million deal. And both of those things, if I'm a Pirates fan, I am legitimately excited about. That's a good thing for the organization. And that's maybe it's a good thing for those players too. But Brian Hayes is getting $8.75 million per year over that deal. And Reynolds is getting 13. Combined, they're making about $22 million per year. Okay. So like it's it's an indication that if players are willing to accept some level of long-term security it, it in favor of giving up like the possibility of a premium payday, then yes, the Pirates will probably be in on those sorts of deals for their young players. But I just don't think like, I, I think this is a, this is more about like Reynolds getting $106 million secured than it is about the, the Pirates turning a new leaf in terms of their investment. But I think it's a great deal. It's um, well, when, When's the last time that they had two players like this under contract though? Under contracts like these simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, it's probably we would probably have to go back to the first McCutcheon contract, right? Which sure, was sure. exceedingly team friendly for them, also. Mm-hmm. Um, and once he was ready to get a major league payday, he he both left and unfortunately for McCutcheon, it was kind of like post prime at that point. But um, I don't remember what their books were like. But y- you may very well be right at what you're getting at that they've never had two legitimate people that they consider pillars offensively under contract for more than a half a decade moving forward. So I'm in agreement that I think this is, again, if you're a Pirates fan, it's it's great. I just, I think pumping the brakes on the idea that this is like a new era of investment for the team, I wouldn't quite hey. go that far. Yeah. Well, you know what? I got a little emotional, okay? And I'm, no, that's fine. I, and that's understandable. We play different roles on this podcast. That's okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, allowed, I'm allowed to get emotional. But I feel like they're in a great position to continue to evaluate some of these younger guys that they have here. And if there's a way, if there's a blueprint or any sort of version of the Anthopolis blueprint that you could sort of take from, why not try to entertain that? Why not start looking at it <clears throat> oh baby bay, right how do we keep how do we keep g1 here for a while well i'm that's not even the name that should come to mind it's o'neill cruz like I, like how do you like well, i mean that's that's what, an obvious but what's I, the benchmark is it the acuna contract because even if you like i feel like that contract has been so scrutinized by everyone uh except for the atlanta braves front office that if you were to go to O'Neill Cruz right now and be like, hey, like this is kind of like the comp that's out there. Like, what do you say? Like, he'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Look, uh, O'Neill Cruz is a very interesting subject matter just because of like the projectability, what you see when you're healthy. Well, you approach him right now while he's fucking hurt and be like, hey, well, sure. I think you're right. experiencing your 
your mortality in this game. You know, be a shame if, you know, this was a thing that continued to happen. Do you want to secure your financial future or not? And you put that offer in front of him in, in his hospital bed right now. I, I do think yeah, we I mean, saw that's... the template for what that offer would look like, though, right? With the Corbin Carroll extension. I mean, yeah. you, you could fudge with the exact number of years and the exact number of dollars. But like and, and Carroll is the number one prospect in baseball entering this year, whatever. But like Cruz, A, was in the big leagues last year and B, mm-hmm. isn't far off from whatever people consider Corbin Carroll to be overall talent wise, upside wise, et cetera. So like. You know, I, I think the template is there if they want it, or if Cruz wants it, which we obviously have no idea. Um, yeah, but he's that was one thing. To that Jared's I feel point, like we... he's the true tentpole of this team, right? Like oh, Brian Hayes sure. and Brian Reynolds are really, really good, solid complementary core pieces, like not dismissive core pieces. Brian Reynolds like, is the Freddie Freeman, and O'Neill Cruz is the Ronald Acuna. <clears throat> That's funny. <laughs> Why is that funny, Joe? I, I, I thought we were trying to be positive for the for the Pirates. Yeah, we are. Okay, well, if those are there, Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman, then they're going to have trouble competing <laughs> for championships. Why is that? Because they're not as good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Some, some might think that. that. <laughs> some, some might that, think that. Some that might. is objectively true. They are not as good, <laughs> but... Those are kind of the comps in terms of the roles that they're playing on this team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good sign that you get Brian Reynolds, who like early on, it seemed like he never wanted to play for the Pirates again in spring <laughs> training was like, this team sucks. You got to negotiate. You got to yeah. negotiate. Jared's talking about rolling up to O'Neill Cruz's hospital room <laughs> and cutting off the oxygen <laughs> and laying down a contract in front of him saying, hey, you'd like to breathe again? We'll fucking sign this. And yeah. then maybe we'll, we'll talk about you breathing again. <laughs> like that's how Jared wants to ink up O'Neill or ink up O'Neill Cruz. Like, yeah. Come on. Get a fucking I, oxygen bonus. I think if you gave O'Neill Cruz the Acuna contract, he'd accept that in a second, you know, because he's not he hasn't performed as good as Acuna had at that point. You know, yeah, I think a well, hundred million dollars. Who says yes, no? I, I would think it's it's weird. But if a if an organization can figure out ways to manipulate and move that money around or allocate that money and, you know, whether they're like, hey, how'd you like a nice chunky bonus? And we'll make that a part of the hundred. But it almost feels like. That that's an, uh, an interesting starting point for young talents. Like if you've got what you feel like could be a foundational pillar type player, do you just throw out the decade hundred hundred mil offer? Like yo, how's how's ten for a hundo? Y- you in on that? Uh, it sounds pretty good. I don't know too many people that would just readily be like hundred mil. I'm out. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. That's why it annoys and people say like, oh, Acuna got ripped off, and all these other guys. And there's a lot of players like that who got ripped off when they got a hundred million dollars. <laughs> They got a hundred yeah, million dollars. So I think I think it's a I think it's an interesting like you know and I don't know I'm sure that number looks different across other organizations but like what number just sounds egregious that you think organizations could really start to look at as a starting point for the um what what I guess we could refer to as like a a luxury tax avoidance contract because that's think- what these big long deals are about right is being able to escape. The, the luxury tax. Not That's what I was always. getting at with. No, sometimes, but I, but I do think spread, I think teams are more and more interested in spreading it out over a longer duration than they used to be. And I think that's what the Reynolds contract is because you see 106 million. And to me, for that player, you think five or six years, right? Like that's where, and I think the eight years is just about, hey, 
Brian Reynolds is 28 years old. He probably wasn't realistically getting a second significant payday after this. So what does he care whether it's a six, seven or eight year deal as long as he's getting the, the total bag that he that he wants, I guess. Um, to circle back on part of the Pirates core, like I briefly mentioned Brian Hayes. To me, he's like the most intri- almost as intriguing as O'Neill Cruz for entirely different reasons about the trajectory of this team because he's already he has such a high floor because he's so awesome defensively. Like there's a decent argument to be made that he's ascended to be the best defensive third baseman in baseball, um, even above you know the hallowed Nolan Arenado. Like I really do think he's in that conversation, and so do the numbers. But like he's already so good, and he's such a blah offensive player that I just wonder like if he can even take a half of an of a step offensively like what that looks for like for this team and maybe he is this year his, his strikeout rates half of what it was last year so maybe maybe we're gonna get that but um pretty intrigued by him too yeah Joe you, you can't go chair. wrong at eight million dollars a year like he's you, already exceeding that value you moving your chair is getting picked up on the mic so <laughs> <laughs> What do you want me to do, bro? Like, stay still? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be huge. That'd be huge if you could do that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the baseball season is in full swing. Whether you're rooting for the home team or betting on your favorite player, DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered for all this season's action. Right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, everyone can hit one out of the park with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Join the big league action right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app. Sign up with the promo code Carabas, C-A-R-R-A-B-I-S. New customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code Carabas. Um, I think we probably have to open up the phone lines again for a oh God. different fan base. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Yeah. Is, is this, is this going to spur the movement? <laughs> so like, hashtag trending. I want to, I want to say we've already, yeah, we've definitely already, this, this might be the first team to have the phone lines open for them twice. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I could be wrong. Mm. I don't necessarily like I remember opening them up for the Phillies. I remember opening them up for obviously the A's. Jake, what other teams did we open them up for? We did the Angels too. the Angels. We, yep, Angels we got Joe Madden fired. Madden, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this this opening of the phone lines is not for a managerial firing. It's more for a sell the team moment. Um, But I don't think that's going to happen because this owner in particular has been in place since like the early 80s. And he's a a multi-team owner in that city. But I had to tweet it last night. I was sitting there watching the Toronto Blue Jays. My pick, the only person that stuck with the Toronto Blue Jays for the American League East Division crown. Um. Just absolutely beating the holy hell out of the Chicago White Sox. 
And as someone that watches a a decent amount of White Sox baseball for the wow. names, it's not because I think that they're exciting. It's not because I think that they're going to factor in in the in the grand scheme of things. I watched them because in 2020, I was excited about that core. In 2021, because everyone looked at 2020 and like, ah, you know, it's a 60 game season. Like, who knows if over 162, if they actually would have made it in. And that was expanded playoffs that year, too. Like they had more teams in the playoffs in 2020. It's like only 60 games, more teams got in. And then they kind of shut everyone up in 2021 when they won the division and uh, the AL Central champs in 2021. Since they won that division title in 2021, so we're including all of last year, and then they're, I don't want to shortchange them on their record this year. I know it's not good. Uh, they're like seven, eight wins. seven and 17 start this season. They are 10 games over 500, under 500 since the start of last year. I believe it's uh, 88 and 98. Let me double check that. I'm pretty sure it's 10 games under 500. They are, drum roll please, uh, 88 and 98 since the start of last season. Uh, I just tweeted out, like, I don't know how people watch White Sox baseball. I don't know how they do it. Like between and like Jay Hay responded this morning and it's a lot of the guys that were part of that core that we were excited about in 2020 and 2021. We thought maybe they would be better than they are right now. They They're not they just haven't blossomed. Yeah. But it's like, at what point do you say they are what they are versus this guy hasn't broken out yet? Like we're not talking no, about well, the Jared Kelmicks of the we're world. There. And and yeah, yeah, I agree. There's one dude. There's one dude on this team. There's one dude on this team that I think is the poster child for that. There's other guys that fit that bill too, but there's one guy that is the poster child for that. Who do we want to say his name together? One, two, three. It's Lou Bob. Well, I mean, like Yohan Moncada was part of a big trade. Like he hasn't panned out. Like that dude. Because obviously he comes from the Red Sox La farm Pantera system. La was supposed to be the fucking second coming. I was more plugged in on Yoan Moncada as a prospect because he was in the Red Sox system first. And he was drawing, like, scouts were saying, this is the closest to Mike Trout that we've ever seen. And he's not been that. Uh, Lou Bob, no. Eloy, hurt all the time. Tim Anderson is probably the only player out of that core that became something that he was supposed to be and was able to maintain it to some level. Whereas like we all love him. Lucas Giolito, he's got to decide what guy are you? Are you the guy that gives up the homers and walks everyone? Or are you a stud that's pitching no hitters and, and, and being a psychopath in the postseason? He's been Jekyll and Hyde over the last three seasons, four seasons. It goes back to 2019 when I think he, he led the league and earned runs allowed or whatever it was. Yeah, so, and he's like, been making adjustments with his arm path and yeah. and shit like that, and that affects that affects a lot of stuff. But to to your point, figuring out who you are is part of trying to make adjustments and going through those adjustment phases. Sometimes you take your lumps, and it just feels like it's been a large combination of not being able to make the adjustment, not not for Giolito specifically, but him included, not being able to make the adjustment, not be able to stay healthy at the same time, and not be able to take. The next step. None of those things, none of those things have worked 
in the favor of the Chicago White Sox. They haven't been healthy together. They haven't been able to make the adjustment. And we're listing multiple guys that are really supposed to be in the heart of their order, the heartbeat of this team, this lineup that are just not thumping right now. No, and I was excited. Again, I was very excited about this team. And and I wish that we talked about the White Sox more. And and I was kind of thinking that to myself this morning when I was doing the the rundown, the topics that we were going to talk about and doing some research and whatever. And I was thinking to myself, like, why? Why haven't we really talked about the White Sox more? And it, the answer to that question, at least for me, I don't know if Dallas, you can relate. But when we were at Barstool, there are so many like prominent baseball fans it, where it was like a turf war. We're like, I didn't talk about the Cubs because that was Carl. I didn't talk about the White Sox because that was White Sox Dave. Like we weren't like qualified to talk about certain teams. So it's almost like we had there are 30 teams, but we only had so many teams that we could talk about without like pissing people off. And I'm not saying that like Carl or White Sox Dave would have been pissed if we talked about their teams. But it's almost like if you're in that barstool bubble that like the fans would be like, fuck, like who the fuck are you talking about the White Sox? If I want to hear White Sox talk, I'll go to White Sox Dave. So now that we're out of that bubble. Like yeah, well, now that, it's like, hey, yeah, let's fucking dive deep into the White Sox here. Like there's no there's no turf war going on anymore about like different teams and what you can and can't talk about. But I, I, I my biggest takeaway from last night and talking about this on Twitter was that these fans are so fucking fed up where you know, there are so many well, fan they- bases. The first fan base that comes to mind. Sorry, Max, if you're listening, I know you are. <clears throat> that would get super defensive. You, There are certain teams that you can't even make a joke. Like you can't even like poke at them and have fun a little bit. Like the Angels fan base is the first one that comes to mind. There's obviously plenty that are oversensitive, but yeah, well, look what they're getting ready to face. Yeah. But saying that the White Sox are borderline unwatchable, they're just like, we agree. This fucking sucks. Why do you think we're all alcoholics? Why do you think that like we're all so fucking miserable? It's because we love this team. We love baseball. But this is the product that we have to sit there and watch. And I know that they a lot of them want to blame Tony La Russa. Tony fucking <laughs> Dallas picked him to win manager of the year. And he almost did it <laughs> in Chicago. There's just it starts at the top with the White Sox. It really does. It fucking starts with ownership. and. I think that ownership has failed that organization and that fan base. Like you, that, first of all, they have to sit there and be the redheaded stepchild to the Cubs. Like everyone fucking loves the Cubs. The Cubs are mainstream. They're the they're the uh, the the firstborn. They're the important child of Chicago. And in the White Sox, it's all like the fucking people that look like White Sox. Dave, they're just they're just like, hey, we just <laughs> love baseball. We're fucking disgusting gremlins, but we love White Sox baseball. Like it's great. <laughs> it, well, they, they deserve they, better, you know, Dallas. They're the Southsiders, and they've embraced that to an extent. It doesn't feel like they've like taken that next step, but they understand, and they feel like that they're being held back. So as a group, they're ready to take that next step. They're ready to avenge for the Southsiders. They just don't have anybody that's willing to help them avenge is how they feel. And think about what they had to deal with with the managerial conversation, right? And it's gone back for how long? Dealing with Ozzy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, hey, by the way, I'm glad you brought up Ozzy. You keep talking. I, did you see what he said he's going to do for this team? 
I, no, dude. I, <laughs> <laughs> this is a prime example of what Jared's about to play is why they should have hired this guy. <laughs> is, is, is why they should have hired Ozzy? Yeah. I mean, yeah. look. I got, I got it right here. I got it right here. So this is this is Ozzy Guillen, I believe, on uh, the uh, NBC affiliate for the White Sox. They got a winning streak. Okay. Winning streak. So if they keep winning, you'll take off a piece of your clothing. Yes. Okay. Starting with the tie. They have to be in a row, or does it? Oh, why they go for Holy. Oh, you want to see naked? I can strip. You got some $1 bill? I can strip for oh, you no, for $1 I, bill. I, I don't think the FCC or our bosses would like that. But so, okay. So if with every win in a row, you'll take off a piece of clothing. Yes. Okay. Is on. Come on, White Sox. We need like a seven-game winning streak, or maybe we don't, actually. Hey, I don't know if I want to hey, see that. Some people be disappointed. Really? <laughs> wow. Poor wife. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ozzy Guillen is promising to strip on the air, remove one piece of clothing for each consecutive White Sox victory. And to Joey's point, I mean, the answer to this question was right in front of your face all along. Guy managed the White Sox to a World Series title in 2005. He's obviously still invested in the product. He obviously still cares. He's obviously still a figure in the White Sox community. Take a page out of the Yankees book. How many times do they bring Billy Martin back? 500 fucking times? Why can't you have a... The Red Sox just did it with Alex Cora. Why can't you bring back a manager that you once let go? Yeah, you need a culture change. You need a culture change after La Russa. That would have been the biggest culture change of all time. You bring as in a manager we, who strips. As long as we acknowledge that bringing back Ozzy wouldn't actually fix any problems and would just be kind of like a, a sideshow circus entertainment thing while the rest of the roster continues to suck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally willing to acknowledge um, that. Totally never, willing to Never worked that. with a looser cannon than Ozzy Guillen, by the way. Um, what a wild ride. <laughs> Where did that you work? On baseball. Was he at ESPN? He was, he was yeah. on ESPN, if you can believe that, uh, and didn't get fired uh, for a long time. Um, yeah. <laughs> It, what an epic run that was. Uh, the I got a couple things to say about this based on all the things we were just running down. I think this is this is as holistic of a failure as you can basically have in professional sports. Uh, we've talked about basically all of those elements, but I just want to make sure we're hitting on them again. Injuries and health with the roster. Player development with the roster. Managerial incompetence or at best an ongoing distraction that did not help the team advance and move forward. And he certainly wasn't developing anybody on that roster while he was there in La Russa. And ownership, uh, I, I think it gets overlooked because the White Sox are never really truly terrible um, or haven't been for a good chunk of our lives. But what Jerry Reinsdorf and that ownership group does with the White Sox is about as embarrassing as anything outside of the John Fisher realm of, of baseball ownership. Like it's, this is Chicago. This is Chicago, right? And we've talked about like the Mets is the second team in New York. E- even under the Wilpons, the Mets spent up to a certain point, right? Like it was, it was, can we spend more? It wasn't, we're in the bottom 10 in payroll, right? And the Andrew Benatendi signing this offseason brought to the forefront once again that the White Sox are what, one of three teams in baseball history to have never signed somebody to a $100 million contract, and they play in the city of Chicago, and there is support for the franchise. People are willing to go to those games, and God bless them because it's cold as shit and the team sucks. Like, and like, I just, it, 
I don't want to become strictly like the anti ownership like labor guy who just complains about this kind of stuff, but like this team is hasn't been invested in and like that Reinsdorf thought it was more important to install his friend that he thought he wronged as manager than to make sure that this roster was in the best place to develop and progress moving forward. I think said it all, regardless of what kind of job Tony Larusa did. Lucas Giolito is now at a four eight four ERA over his last thirty five starts since the la- since the start of twenty two. Like we're getting to a point where this isn't an up and down. This is like maybe who this guy is at this point. Unfortunately, after a pretty good three year run, and the problem with TA, like you you correctly acknowledge that he's like the one guy who has not failed to develop. But Tim Anderson was never intended to be the first or second best offensive player on your team, right? He was supposed to be the fifth or sixth best player on this team that was reeling off division titles. And as you guys laid out with Robert and Jimenez and Mancada and on down the line, like none of those guys have stepped forward to be the best player offensively or second best player. Um, I just think it's sometimes you can point to one thing and be like, God damn, if we could have just fixed that, everything would have been fine. We have great player development. Ownership doesn't invest. But like this is this is a failure at like almost every level of baseball, it seems like. Yes. It's like every guy, not only do their their core underperform, even every single person they've brought in has just not done well. Like going from even Tony La Russa, I mean, that obviously didn't work. They brought in AJ Pollock, was gone after a year, missed a lot of time, I believe. They brought in, who else? They had Gio Adam Gonzalez Angle. in 2021. Adam Angle, run Angle! <laughs> the well, fucking Gio Gonzalez was, was good. Gio Gonzalez was a contributor. <laughs> yeah. And That's and even G- some of the guys they brought in who were good, like Yasmani Grandal gave them like a, an insanely good 2021 season, right? Like he was one of the best catchers in baseball. He has been so ba- He was so bad last year that like not even their wins are full wins at this point. It's it's tough. But even yeah. they got I mean, they brought in Liam Hendricks. The guy got cancer. Like they just get like freaking unlucky as shit. Like sad shit happens to them. Everyone they bring in underperforms whether it's their fault or not and then everyone when they got traded ahead. for craig kimbrell and he just became the worst fucking reliever of all time <laughs> yeah craig kimbrell dallas keichel oh my god yeah yeah keichel at least keichel a disaster there he was a, he became a disaster I, I i'd have to look at the numbers but i don't remember him being an abomination immediately that was just kind of something that happened towards the end very abruptly though but I mean, was, think of those uh, names. Like these people, like they they weren't just bad. They either just never played or became one of the worst players in the league. Keichel's situation is actually hysterical because he finished fifth. I I I, I don't I, I don't feel like this season happened. He finished fifth in the AL Cy Young vote in 2020. In the abbreviate, he posted a 199 ERA in 11 starts, and then came back in 2021 and was unplayably bad. Um, mm-hmm. And was and then was out of baseball in 2022. Yeah, still available. It's, it's crazy. still available. Still for you to lefty. You got to give him for credit for passing on Jose Abreu. Uh, he's he's off to a 250 with a 576 OPS start with the Houston Astros. You got to give him credit. Got to give him credit really for move. sticking to their guns and not paying somebody. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for him because you know if they you, make if mistakes. If you do that time after players. time, you'll eventually get one right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it hasn't they haven't gotten one right actually though. That's that one may part. prove to be correct though. Jose Abreu. We'll see. We'll That's see. Fine. He's like, he's That's old, fine. but it's early. 
even even if all these players were good, they still would suck. So <laughs> that's another thing. It's like you can say, oh, the ownership's cheap. You could bring in Shohei Otani. They're not going to be good if every single player who they brought up is underperforming. I, see, I, I kind of disagree with that because I feel like what what makes this doubly sad is how low this, the bar is to compete in this division. And they still can't do it. Like, you really actually, this is one of the few instances, I how think. How many years have pure, we just been asking why the White Sox won't win this division? No, but I'm saying, like, this is actually one of the few scenarios where they could solve the problem with basically just money. Like, if they just added two or three really good players to this roster, they absolutely could compete for the division on a year-in, year-out basis, even while not developing players at the pace that, Cl- that Cleveland does. But they don't do that either. So they don't invest and they don't develop. Just like, what is, why, what is the point? I think, <laughs> I think they're probably gun-shy now. Because like I said, anytime they pay anyone, get a free agent, something happens and they're terrible. Or they can't play because of like, like Liam Hendricks has been good, but like, so he had cancer. It's tragic. It's just like, yeah. how sad is it? Well, he's in the, remission. Like the, yeah, cancer He's coming back. And we haven't That's talked right. about that. We should show some love to Liam Hendricks. Yeah, we should. For, um, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that was, that's what, honestly, and with that, because I, I said it when the A's beat the White Sox, I said, you know what happened? People forget that that series ever happened. What a fucking, right. how far we've just, come since that playoff series <laughs> occurred. Crazy. Holy crazy. shit. The A's beat the White Sox, and I said right then and there, you just watched the White Sox realize the missing piece, why they're not moving on because of what Liam Hendricks came in and did that series. So what they do, they went and got literally the fucking guy that got him. They're like, hey, you shoved it up. Our, so you're going to be on our team. Now. <laughs> yeah. And and all was right with the world. And like Joe said, tragedy struck. So for him now to be on the rebound and feeling good, hopefully that's that means he's just that much closer to, to getting back on the field. And if that's the case, fuck, that helps. You get a guy like him back. You get a fucking all-star closer back for fuck's sake. Mm. Um, Jake, put it in that we're opening up the phone lines for White Sox fans. We'll have the White Sox voicemails on tomorrow's Thursday episode. <clears throat> they deserve a place to uh, to come speak, speak their piece. And this is going to be the place for them. I didn't realize I because it, it all goes back to what I said earlier. Uh, like I didn't want to step on any toes before, so I never really talked about the White Sox a lot. But me tweeting about the White Sox in the last 24 hours, I did not realize how many White Sox fans were following me. They probably were just like sitting there being like, why don't you ever fucking talk about our team? Well, that's the answer. I didn't want to step on any toes. Now, uh, there are no toes to step on. So I bet I bet those White Sox fans looking back would have appreciated some sober analysis from somebody other than a cheerleader for the team. You know, it might have it might have softened the blow of this total disaster uh, that arrived in 2022 and 2023. Uh, Next up, we don't have to spend a ton ton of time on this, but did you guys see the clip of Fernando Tatis Jr. dancing in the outfield? He was getting taunted at Wrigley by the fans and the bleachers. They were I think they were taunting like you do steroids and (laughs) he was dancing to the rhythm of the chant, which like I can definitely see it from both sides. I don't need to preface this by saying 
that I'm a huge Fernando Tatis Jr. honk. You already know that if you're if you've been a listener for any amount of time. Um, but that being said, I would have preferred that this happened while the Padres were not losing six to nothing like that. I'm not bothered by him dancing. You're in, fucking disgusting right now. I, hey, I'm not bothered. Like, I'm putting myself in the position of a Padres fan, oh, not as a oh, non Padres fan. That is a Fernando Tatis Jr. fan. If I am a Padres fan. I'm not bothered by him dancing to fans taunting him for taking steroids. I am bothered that he's out there dancing when the Padres are losing six to nothing. And it's not like they're 10 games over 500. The Padres, uh, I haven't checked this morning. Let's let's get an update real quick. Uh, The San Diego Padres are 12 and 13. It albeit in a division that isn't fucking there's the, the Dodgers are 13 and 11. The D-backs are 13 and 12 and you're 12 and 13. So you're only a game and a half back, but you're a game under 500. You put them in the AL East. They're in fucking last place by two games. So can I th- ask a question? Yes. Why do you why, why would you prefer it a different way? And what do you mean? Why would you prefer Fernando Tatis Jr. not do that while the team is losing? It's just a bad look. But. But we're in a day and age where the idea of bad looks don't exist. Those I disagree. Are being com- so I, those are, no, no, no. I'm not telling. I'm not telling you that I feel that way. Yeah, I'm I know telling you, you that there's a that large way. portion of the population that says, "No, no, no. We got to let these people be who they are." And I'm not saying. I just asked this question to pose this because this is an interesting intersection between where the game has come from, where the game is headed. And the conversation from the people who were standing on their lawn and telling you to get off it and yelling at the clouds and they tell you they they just like things done a certain way, the idea of it being a bad look to do certain things a certain way, and people don't want to hear those people. People want to tell those people to shut their fucking mouth and that the game has passed those people by. And those people, well, that's just not true. And the reason that you feel like it's a bad look is because it is a bad look. That's why you feel that way. Yeah. There's no other way around it. But at the same time, this is somebody, Fernando Tatis Jr., as well as other players who play with emotion that we have celebrated and enjoyed because of them doing so and being unapologetic in doing so. So in a time where he is being unapologetically himself, I think people need to choose who do you want and what do you really like and come to Jesus for just a minute and be honest with yourself and and say, you know what? I do like bad flips at a certain moment. I do like people dancing and being themselves at a certain moment. I guess I do understand the idea of things having a bad look or not being palatable in certain moments. So I guess the people who were standing on their lawn and telling you to get off it and yelling at the clouds, I guess I can understand where they're coming from because the game has evolved, but in moments like this, I think it's important to ask those questions and have these conversations because this is a this is a moment where, like I said, the intersection of the game evolving, what we like, what we don't like, offending in the game, being suspended for reasons where we've talked about like, fuck, it very well could have been just like a damn dude. Did I really not read the fucking label? Is that why I'm in this shit right now? Like we've had all of this conversation, but it comes to a head. When you're getting crushed by the opponent's fan base and you're losing and you're dancing. Now we got to talk about it. 
Yeah. I, I think um, with the whole Tatis thing, it, what it boils down to is you're, if you're a Padres fan, you're frustrated that he got suspended for steroids. Sure. And you're frustrated that he's now on game five when he could be on game 20 something. I'm not going to get on him for hitting 182 five games in. Like, I'm not going to do that. He's four for 22 with three singles and a homer. I'm not going to get on him for, you know, five games of performance. But where you can get frustrated is you looking at, at the Padres record, their game under 500. What would he look like on April 25th at the time if he had started the season when he was supposed to? Like, if he had opening day, like, would he still be hitting 182 now? Probably not. I think, the you know, run terror that he went on in AAA, maybe that happens in the big leagues. That, right? Correct. Yeah. So, so those are, that's those are what I'm frustrated things. about. Is like sure, and that's why you're pissed too. That's why you're looking at it, Jared. I'm telling you, that's why you're looking at it like, fuck, man, this is just not a great look because everything that you've done up to this point right now could be very different. And just can you not do that? Can you not do that right now? Like we get it. And and I said this, I said this a very long time ago before any of this shit with Fernando Tees happened, before he got popped, before anything. I said, let's just keep an eye on this guy. Why? Because who is very close to him? Who is in his circle? Who's got an? Who's made an impact on this guy? He's friends with uh, one of your boys' boys. One of my boys' boys. Yeah, one of your Ooh. boys' boys. Not the large father, but there's another fellow that he spends time with. Pedro? No, not Pedro. Uh, Joe. Do you know who I'm talking about, Joe? No. I, don't I got know a feeling. <laughs> A Rod? Uh, yeah. uh, got it. And I would absolutely hate to see Fernando Tatis Jr. think about embracing this villainous role when I don't know that he's not that guy. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. And I don't want to see him embrace that because I think I think he will drown in trying to figure out how to become a player in that role i I want him to be the carefree love i want him to want to dance and i want to see him dance but i want to also see that he understands that right now fuck man like with everything that's going on right now is not the time to break out the dancing shoes right now is the time to fucking grind and then i'll dance i'll dance later yeah it's also it's also you go back to padres fan fest and he's the guy that said we're going to win the World Series and it doesn't fucking matter who we're playing, <laughs> you know, and then so <laughs> sure, that, there's there's a lot riding on his uh, things that he said, his behavior. But, you know, Bowmel better than most. Yeah. What do you think he thought of that? Um, Bowmel is Bowmel will let players be themselves. Bowmel, I, I promise that that message has been delivered. Like the idea of what we're doing in the moment. Like, let's take stock of that Mm -hmm. moving forward. And like, look, Fernando Tatis Jr. I think has proven to be somebody that these conversations are, are going to be necessary to have. But I also would like to believe that he's somebody who's going to respond to these conversations. And to the point you just made about productivity, 
it's early in terms of him being on the field right now and what he's doing and how he's processing that because not only you're processing not being at big league game speed, you're also trying to deal with the shit that comes along with this stuff mentally. So working his way through that, that will be the determining factor. Let, let's look up in a month and see where it's at. Yeah. I got a feeling he's about to go off. Put that one in the bank. That's just like a star. Is that a blind pick, Joe? Are you uh, you seeing something or what? What's up? I think he's the best, one of the best players in the league. Proved mm-hmm. it, but he's mm-hmm. been five games. He hasn't played in two years. Pretty he's much. dancing. I guess you got the A Rod comparison. I think that's like because when I see this, I see like uh, you know he's going to be hated by so many people. It's like how do you respond to that? Can you be comfortable getting booed? Like certain players can, certain players can't. To me, this is like more actually a good sign that he doesn't need to be liked everywhere he goes and it's not going to like weigh on him and hurt his performance. And that's just him dancing I, in the crowd. But that's what's going to happen. He's going to get yeah, a lot of shit. Yeah, maybe this is the revelation. Maybe that's the revelation, Joe. Maybe that's him saying, you know what? Finally, I this is who I am. I, I'm going to unapologetically just tell you, fuck you to your face now. I've got the money. I got the bag. I'm here to get a ring. You don't like it. Kiss my ass. I would love <laughs> well, it. That's if, he could, full, if he went full baseball full villain. Yeah. I'm yeah. In. I'm so in. I mean, I, we don't, I just, we don't I have just one don't, of those that matters at I, least. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think he's somebody, I don't know, like from early from what I've seen and just hearing him speak. And I, I just don't know that he's somebody that can, that, that wants to be in that position. But who the fuck am I? Yeah, Who am I, I think that's a very that? that's if, a very interesting if, thing to bring up the A Rod connection, especially because he also yeah. has Manny Machado on the team, who's like yeah. the same way, who embraces mm-hmm. that. Like, I don't give a fuck if you hate me or not. Wait, we're so, not saying right? that that A Rod embraced that, are we? No, A Rod okay, because he's so badly to be liked. Right. Okay. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Yeah, because he's like maybe the most insecure person on the face. Yeah, well, that's well, that's why I took it. Like, he was hated, and that weighed on him a lot, especially, yeah. like, during the playoffs. I don't think there's yes. any question. Yes. Yeah. It was the polar opposite of Jeter. Like, Jeter didn't give a fuck, and everyone loved him for it. And A-Rod cared so much about what people thought about him, and everyone hated him for it. And could you imagine, could you imagine sharing a fucking locker room with, with uh, somebody like that? Like if you're that dude who is that insecure and everything you want, like you're just, there's a, there's an invisible partition between you and everything <laughs> you've wanted to be in life. And it's in the locker right next to you. I, I remember when A-Rod went to the Yankees and like, there was that general conversation about like sh- who should be moving positions or like. And then later on, like, what sort of impact is A-Rod having in the clubhouse? Like, does Jeter like him? And I remember thinking, like, yo, shut the fuck up. He is way better than all the rest of you. Like, just deal with this shit. I don't care. Like, everybody should accommodate him. And then he retired, and I heard him speak and, like, do baseball analysis. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that's why. (laughs) That's why it was a problem. I get it. Like, that's why Jeter didn't want to hang out with him. Because I I told you, did I ever say on the air, like, what happened when I interviewed him at his house? I don't think so. Not to me, at least. So he has like this, like, outdoor seating area. And so if you look at the video, I'm sitting, like, I'm leaning forward on this couch because I don't have any back pillows to, to sit behind. 
because he took them all and put them on his chair so that he would be seated higher than us. Like there was a cushion on the chair he was sitting on, but he took like three pillows and put them on the on the chair so that he could be seated higher than us. So, so I couldn't lean back. So I did the whole interview leaning for because I had nothing to lean back on because he took all the pillows. It was fucking so secretly, crazy. Secretly, you, you fucking mad respect this dude. You're like, oh, I see you. Checkmate. <laughs> no, I was just like, I'll this is weird. For round two. I'll bring my own booster seat. And I'll yeah. be higher than you yeah, next he, time. <laughs> he basically made a homemade booster seat. Be- <laughs> Before we slander A-Rod's interview, interviewing tactics, I do want to bring up the possibility that he had gotten back from a colonoscopy uh, prior to the interview. And yeah, he maybe he has hemorrhoids. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just It's a possibility that we should at least acknowledge. Yeah, it's on the table. <laughs> uh, uh, really quickly, RIP to the Rays winning streak at home. Is officially mm. over, but that's that's not necessarily what I want to talk about in connection to the uh, the Rays winning streak at home. This is a completely separate tangent, <clears throat> but the Rays did uh, prior to last night's loss to the Houston Astros. They had won 14 straight games at home, which mm. is the longest winning streak to start a season since the 1886 Detroit. Wolverines. That's right. And I want to know who is the asshole that said, you know what? The Detroit Wolverines, we don't want to use that name anymore. Why are the Wolverines not a name still in Major League Baseball? Why was that change made? Why was it necessary? I I understand why we went from the Indians to the Guardians. But why did we go from the Wolverines to the Tigers? Uh, maybe the University of Michigan. That's stupid. The fucking UCLA Bruins. We've got a Bruins hockey team. I'm, I'm not telling you that that's the reason. I just lit, I just threw it out there. The Wolverines is a great name, and I, I'm pretty disappointed that they're no longer a team and full. Uh, transparency. It's a good baseball. It's a good baseball team name because they're scrappy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Clawing back, vicious, vicious little animals. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't know that a Wolverine was like uh, a Wolverine will fuck you up, dude. But they're little. They will fight bears. They'll the, fight bears. Yeah, they're little angry beavers. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, like if I <laughs> saw a Wolverine, bears. I'd be like, "What was that beaver so pissed about?" Yeah, no, you you caught a fucking you 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 came across a bad Wolverine, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why we got rid of the Wolverines, but it was just something they, that bothered me. Did you know that the Wolverines were a team? Did anyone know that? No. Okay. No. Dallas didn't know. No one knows. Fucking Detroit Wolverines, man. I did not know the Detroit Wolverines. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can get tickets to Detroit Wolverines games anymore, but if you want to go see the Detroit Tigers or any other Major League Baseball team or whatever other event that you'd like to go to, you should check out the Game Time app. Because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. I'll be at Fenway pretty much all weekend. Shout out to the Game Time app for getting me in. 
I'll be there Friday. Jake will be there too, right, Jake? Yeah, I'm coming thanks to game time. Thanks to game time. You'll be there. Are you coming Friday or Saturday? I think I'll come for both. He's going to come for both. Why not? Shout out to game time for getting us in all weekend long at Fenway Park Red Sox guards. Uh, Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less money, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly when, uh, what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're all set to go. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. All you have to do, download the game time app, create an account, use the promo code Jared, that is J-A-R-E-D, That'll get you $20 off your first purchase. You're welcome. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D, for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, The... Oh, yes. Okay. So, this was not... uh, this was not something I could have done this on the what Monday episode, but I figured I'd do it here today because it was of, it was of interest. We were talking about Shohei and I don't know. Mike Trout doesn't do a lot of media. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. So this was the first time that I had seen him speak about his at bat against Shohei Otani in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, it was also the first time because it was such a narrative for us when we were talking about the World Baseball Classic as it was happening. Um, Mike Trout's psyche being stimulated by playing in a playoff type atmosphere. Uh, Mike Trout sat down with Harold Reynolds for MLB Network, and I cut a couple of clips from that. Um, and I, I don't know, just figured that it it was it was worth it because I'm sure there's some people that listen to Baseball Is Dead that maybe missed this. And if you were following along, it was a kind of a putting a, a little cap on that narrative and that storyline. Um, so first, this is Mike Trout talking about uh, the, the comparison to the playoffs. So did it give you a feel? I know you haven't been in the postseason much. Did it give you a feel? That- it did. It did. You know, I texted Nev right after the game. I said, I, you know, it sucks we lost, but I needed that. I needed that, that motive, not motivation, but, you know, that, that feeling. Yeah. You know, you, you haven't had it. You know, we played some big games, Sunday night baseball, Monday night you know, ESPN games late at night, but uh, nothing like that. You know, sell out crowds, but nothing, The pat, how passionate them fans were. You know, it was uh, loud, the entrance, you know, walking out, me walking out with an American flag, you know, Shoei walking out with a Japanese flag. It's, uh, it's, it was special. It was really special. How many people listening right now are like, oh, so that's what his voice sounds like. <laughs> like he just fucking doesn't do shit. And, and I, I get it. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm never going to, I'm never going to push an athlete to be like, hey, like you need to fucking put yourself out there more. I care about what you do on the field. And there's going to be no one who sits here and says Mike Trout doesn't do enough on the field. That's what he gets paid to do. That's his job. If he wants to do interviews and media, go for it. If you don't, I support it, whatever. But this interview, it was only like eight minutes. But talking about like, hey, you know, he's like, I needed that. That's the the, the first word out of his mouth was motivation. Yeah. And and then he tried to like, you know, reel it in like, well, not motivate. No, it, it's the right word. But he he wanted 
you could hear him. Like I wanted a taste of that. Yeah. I needed that. I needed to remember what that was like because you're right, Harold. I fucking haven't been there in a while. It's been it has been limited. And feeling that, oh I I, I need it. I need it. I haven't tasted that. It's so it's fucking it's a great white shark with blood. He's getting ready to go fuck up an entire population of seals. Just ready to do work. And he wants it. He wants it. Yeah. Joe. Yeah, I liked when he said we've been in some big games, ESPN games late at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yeah, man, I played some ESPN Sunday night baseball games. Those are fucking wild. Like, like fans in the stands give a fuck that it's Sunday night baseball. Uh, I think he like started to say Monday night football too. He's like, yeah, I played in some Sunday night baseball games, Monday night football. I, uh, I've been, to, I've been to some Eagles games. I know big games, bro. Right. <laughs> That's basically what we were saying. Yeah, I've been to some Monday night football games with the Eagles. Um, <laughs> the Freudian slip, bro. Howard, er, Howard, Harold. I go to I go to football games in October all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is. Uh, this is Mike Trout talking about his at bat against Shohei Otani, which was the pinnacle of the 2023 World Baseball Classic. This is the first time that I've seen him talk about it. When you saw him running in now to warm up in the bullpen, oh, I knew I was facing him. You knew it was yeah, coming. Yeah, I knew it was coming. So I had to mentally prepare. Um, you know, he threw me early in the count. I think, I think second pitch threw me fast while I could hit. I just missed it. You fouled it back, so, and yeah, you yeah. gave it the look too. Yeah, you yeah, knew yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, 3-2, honestly, I didn't even th- think of, like, coming to mind that he was going to throw me a slider. But I, now looking back, I should have should have had that in the back of my mind. He threw me a nasty one, though. Like, oh, it was nasty. In the zone for a while, and then at the end, just broke off the plate. So. But he threw you a couple sliders in there. He did. He did. First pitch, I think it was a slider, a cutter thing. Uh, but it was a fun bat. Obviously, it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to be. But, uh it was. Uh, it's what baseball wanted, I guess. So that one you foul back. Yes. If you catch it, do you got it? I mean, he's throwing a hundred. He's supplying the power. <laughs> I think, you know, I, for anybody, it's throws a hundred. You just gotta, you just gotta touch it. So. So that was your first time, like in real action, facing. I don't him. think I've. You know, people ask me this all the time. I don't think I've ever faced him even in live. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I've only seen him from behind. So, so what, what was it like? What did it look like? I, I, I got the feeling whatever whatever other uh, batter feels like when they're in the box. It's it's you better not miss that pitch because it's coming. That slider's coming. Yeah, it's nasty. Or the split. So that was exactly what baseball looked for. It was a big moment. I yeah. felt like it just propelled us to a new level in baseball. Do you feel that way? It did. So <clears throat> that was uh, an interesting note that that was the first time that Trout had ever faced Otani. They never faced each other in live ABs, like no backfield action, nothing. Like that is very surprising because I remember uh, like always wondering, like when I was a kid playing Little League and it's like, I, like that's so cool that Ken Griffey is on the same team as Randy Johnson. That must be such a relief that he never has to face him. And then you're like, no, actually in spring training, we have to face yeah. him when he's not stretched out and he doesn't know where it's going. <laughs> like it's actually the worst to be on the same team as some of these guys that you never want to face. Uh, but Mike Trout never facing Shohei Otani, even in like live live ABs, was kind of an, an odd thing to yeah, learn. That's, yeah, yeah, I because I, I, I would want to feel like there's at some point in time like, hey, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna need all of that. Right <laughs> yeah, like, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to see this. Like, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you know what? Like, I uh, that's kind of weird because I, I wonder. I mean, obviously, it gets worked out. Like, you're going to face certain guys in, in in lives or whatever. But like, just the idea of you know, like wanting to incite that, you know, like walking up, like, yo, I see you. Uh, I see you're on the mound today. You got a mm. live BP, huh? Mm. Um, <clears throat> talk to Nev, and uh, I'm in your group. Mm. How you feel about that? How do you feel about like I just I want to believe like that's you know you you want to think that those conversations happen or that that moment happens mm. just cool to think about it doesn't obviously but yeah we've always assumed that Otani and Trout are friendly get along what if they're enemies mm. what if him I, going I, to play what if Otani signing there to play with the best player or whatever that was was actually more about him coming and being like you ain't shit. Mm. I'm the man now. Well, yeah, that's that, Dallas keeps saying that's, that. That's been Dallas's long-standing theory that he yep. he signed with the Angels just to make Trout look like shit. There was another part of that interview that I didn't clip, but like I'll paraphrase. Like he was asked because this this was before the uh, Angels series at Yankee Stadium, and Harold was like, you know, looking at all the promo for this series, it's all. Judge versus Otani. Like Mike Trout's here too. Like, let's not forget about Mike Trout. And Trout was like, Yeah, you know, it is what it is. He's like, I'll get mine. And he's like, My mentality is that I will always view myself as the best person on the field, no matter who I'm on the field with. And I've never heard him talk like that before. I'm not saying it's like wrong. I I love it. Like I I've been waiting, like this one interview kind of had everything that I've been looking for from a Mike Trout interview. Not that he gives many. But hearing him talk about like I needed that, I needed to feel that playoff environment and hearing him talk like not necessarily, it wasn't that it wasn't humble. It was more like when you're Mike Trout, you can definitely acknowledge that you're fucking really good. You can definitely say things like I know that I'm the best player on the field when I'm standing on it. Like you can say shit like that uh, as long as Shohei Otani isn't on the mound. But uh that yeah, Wait, you heard him say that. What you hear? Yeah, have you heard him acknowledge that? What? One of the I, I I just heard this. I heard it like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. But he was talking about how this this mentality, and he was like, "Yeah, every time I go out there, I have to I have to tell myself that I'm the best player on the field." Which and then he said, "Which is really hard when you got Shohei out here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like he just he's acknowledged, and he said it before, but that's part of him being humble. But also knowing who he is, yeah, he doesn't need to talk about it. Doesn't care if you talk about it. He's confirmed within, and that's really all that matters. We all want to, you know, we all we all strive to achieve that <clears throat> that that idea of self worth, right? Like, no, I'm I'm good enough, and he has that, right? Plus, plus, baseball is such a mental game that um, you you have to have that mentality. You have to have that confidence. If you go out there being like, oh my God, everyone is so much better than me. What am I going to do when they throw me a hundred miles an hour fastball? This is terrible. Like you can't do that. You'll just get eaten no, up every single fucking toast. day. You won't, you won't make it. You won't be up here for very long. Jay, hey, you look like you had a thought. No, I was just, that reminded me of when I played. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to hit on that really quick. Uh, the other sound that I wanted to get to was uh, it, it blowing the mind of Byron Buxton 
that when he learned that the Twins had not taken the season series from the New York Yankees since 2001 and him learning that in real time in front of the cameras. What do you think when you hear that 2001 is the last time the Twins won the season series against them? I don't even know how to put that in words. <laughs> <laughs> 22 years. 22 years. 22 years. I was six. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last time we won? That's the last time we won? Yeah, this one felt extra good after hitting that then. Um... Oh, man. I don't know. You know, it's kind of like having that monkey on the back. I know we talk about it a lot over the past few years about, you know, go to Yankee Stadium, play the Yankees. And it's always like getting that monkey. It feels a lot lot like that monkey is off the back for sure now. That's so fucking funny. Like him saying, like, what? I got a six. I was six. <laughs> That's the last time we won? I mean, look, 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 look but by, by no means is the monkey <laughs> off the back, though. No, well, no. It's... You've got to beat them in the playoffs. You've got to win a singular playoff game. Uh, it would mean yeah, a lot it, more if it were against the Yankees that they did it. But unless no. we're just lowering the bar all the way down to winning yeah. the series, winning <laughs> a series against the Yankees. If we're going to do that, then great. Monkey off the back. But like as far as getting absolutely dominated, monkey is firmly, Listen, firmly on the back. They got one claw off. OK, uh, <laughs> you know, the twins, <laughs> the twins everyday lineup in 2001, AJ Pierzynski, Doug Mankiewicz, Luis Rivas, Christian Guzman, Corey Kosky, Jock Jones, Tory Hunter, Matt Lawton and Jones. Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Wow. David Ortiz was on the wow. fucking twins the last time they took the season series. Wow. Wasn't even Poppy yet. No. It was just Dave. Or good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was How Dave. The hell did they Dave, Ar- <laughs> David Arias, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it was a completely different. He was, he was a completely different guy. He hadn't transformed into Superman yet. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's crazy. Good for the Minnesota Twins, though. They, uh, they were, you could say they were due for a dub. Yeah. Do for a series dub. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cardinals suck. Bad. <laughs> why is that? Why is that so bad right now? Uh, so this is um, this is from ESPN Stats Info. The St. Louis Cardinals are now nine and fifteen through twenty four games a season. This is the worst twenty four game start to a season for the Cardinals since nineteen seventy three, when they went five and nineteen. I mean, what is it? Uh, their pitching is not good. Well, I think, yeah. Okay, so the pitching's not great. But, I mean, offensively, it, it doesn't feel like there's, there's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, it, I mean, every, they even it's lost very weird. in like heartbreaking fashion last night. Like, they were about to beat the San Francisco Giants, and then they got walked off by a rookie in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, we all, uh, uh, Oh, go ahead, Jay. No, I was just going to say, you're saying like offensively, like, I mean, I think it's okay to say that their two offensive pillars are not playing as well as they need to play. Um, well, I was going to, the, the, there's no power Arenado. right now. Yeah, correct. Yes. There's no power. I mean, Goldschmidt's slugging that's, 437 and Arenado's slugging 370. So there you go. That's mm-hmm. not going to work. 
No, no power. Yeah, fuck. That's that's a problem. That's Cardinals an starters have a 522 ERA, 24th in leagues. Feels like yeah. also an issue. Yes, also 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 an issue. Because um, outside of outside of what Jack Flaherty, I mean Montgomery's throwing Monca- the ball Montgomery's decently, right? Yeah, they're Card- yeah. the Cardinals bullpen. They've got the they've got the sixth best ERA in St- the big leagues right now. Forty uh, percent. Who's, who's, who's closing? Who's closing for them? Halsey Hells- or yeah. Helsley? Yeah. Helsley, yeah. He's been fine. Halsey. The fucking forty percent of their night. rotation has been fine, and sixty percent of their rotation has been an absolute dumpster fire. Montgomery and uh Flaherty, at least as as it relates to ERA, like what's actually happening, uh, they've been fine. Michaelis, uh, Woodford, and Mats have been terrible. Terrible. I mean, Mats has a six five five ERA in four starts, and Michaelis is at seven four six. And he was arguably their most reliable pitcher last season. So like it so sometimes like to me, I, I'm not panicking on the Cardinals yet because it feels like it's their key players that are not playing well that is mostly right. driving down. And I just expect that Goldschmidt and and Arenado and Michaelis to a lesser degree will pitch will p- play better than they have to this point. And if they don't, then they they they're in deep shit. But yeah, if they don't, the team is in trouble. But I I think more so offensively, like if they'll if those guys don't hit, it's gonna be trouble. I do think there's some like I think it's like we're probably not getting Paul Goldschmidt's 2022 again, right? Like he's no, that was probably the high but, water mark. Um, I didn't think we were like, going to get it in 2022. Uh, I thought that I didn't, but it's not already. Yeah, well, I I did. I thought it, and I told you. I told you. I told you. I had fucking my, fucking, uh, uh, but, I told but my you larger point is, is MVP. that if if Arenado and Goldschmidt, who are like what the second and third best players in the NL last year, or something like that, yeah, uh, yeah by yeah. wins above replacement, if those guys are three to four, like. 20, 15, 20% worse than they were last year, which seems like a totally plausible scenario. That's like four wins. That's three or four wins right there. Um, also, I think Nolan is playing hurt right now. Like, I don't know if you saw those clips that were going viral uh, from I a couple not, of days no. ago. He was taking some swings where it looked like he's experiencing some uh, either some back pain. pain or something. Yeah, like he, uh, it did not look good. It looks like it. I haven't asked him. I haven't talked to him. Don't have the inside scoop on me this. But uh it does seem like he is playing hurt and that would explain some of the power stuff right too if he's got some sort of back thing going on yes yep but that's the type of guy that he is is that he sees the team struggling and he's probably thinking to himself that uh me at 55 percent is better than this team with no nolan arenado at all at all and he's probably right about that but you know now that i've pulled up his savant page uh like you tell you saying that he might be playing hurt feels like it might be answering a lot of these things because it's not this power outage is not bad luck either uh he's not hitting the ball particularly hard um even though he's not necessarily been a guy who has always been about high exit velocities and high barrel rates and stuff like that it's not nolan arenado's game but uh all of his stuff is down even from his pretty modest standards before so yeah. And he's striking out at twice the rate he did last year. It feels pretty. Yeah. I would venture to guess that he is playing hurt right now. It's not just you're not just looking at the numbers in the baseball savant page and saying maybe he's hurt. You're no, seeing no, you, it with your eyes. Yeah. Too. You you brought up visual clips that you have seen and I didn't see those, but I am looking at the numbers and 
seems to add up to the same story. Yeah. So uh, maybe an IL stint in the future for Nolan, which would suck, but got to get a guy like that healthy if the Cardinals are going to are going to dig their way out of this because are they in last place? They have to be, like right? Second, no, second to last. Ooh. Who the fuck is worse than the Cardinals? Oh, the Reds. The no, Reds. they're tied. <laughs> Yikes. They're tied? Yeah, I think the Reds actually completed. They were down six runs last night, came back and won. Here for the oh, Reds. Man. Reds are nice, man. They got their pitchers yeah. are they got three nasty pitchers. Starters. Nasty. Go Reds. Yeah. You can at least see it with the Reds. You can see it. Uh <clears throat> Indochino. Looking sharp all wedding season long shouldn't be expensive. With a custom fitted suit from Indochino, you'll create priceless memories without costing a fortune. Customize every detail on your suit, shirt, dinner jacket, and more. In a range of colors from a traditional black or gray to burgundy or olive to a classic Hemsworth navy. Ooh. Uh, I have a lot of pants from Indochino. So they've got casual wear as well. And uh, I've got to look nice when I go out, um, which is like, I don't know, once every three weeks. But I do go out sometimes. And when I do, I'm not doing it without Indochino. If I actually want to, no, look presentable, look nice, Indochino is, is, the, uh, is the solution to my. Fashion woes. Every suit is made to your exact measurements and you can customize every single detail. Create a suit that fits for you and your style perfectly with options for fabrics, lapel shape, custom monograms, statement linings, and more. They also have tuxedos starting at $579. Why rent when you can buy a custom tux that you can rewear for years to come? Indochino also offers completely custom fitted shirts, casual wear, and more. Get a superior wardrobe personalized to your style and taste without the luxury price tag. They're always adding new pieces and options so you can stay on trend and in style. Explore their relaxed yet refined approach to spring suits with their new spring fabrics. RSVP, knowing that you've got the perfect uh, look all wedding season long from Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the promo code DEAD. To get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more, that is I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code DEAD. A um, couple more things before we get out of here. Uh, I would venture to guess that, Jay Hay, you have um, some appreciation for what Justin Steele is doing for the Chicago Cubs this season. Listen, you know, I I got off on the wrong foot with Cubs people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you season. did. But 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 even on that even in that same sentence, who was I giving credit to? Justin Steele. Justin Steele. So I feel like I'm okay taking the the half win on this one. But yeah, no, I think it's super exciting for the Cubs because um, it wasn't clear that the one of the things that they had in their system was a future like frontline number one guy. And like, I know, I, I guess I always hesitate to go too far in the excitement, but we're also like, it's not just a one, one, nine ERA this year, as we laid out, it's, it's a sub one, five ERA going back to late June of last season. Uh, and, uh, to me, it's, he's done it against the Dodgers this year. He's done it against the Padres. Um, I, I think it's super exciting. And I think that this might be the most important development related issue for the Cubs that could have possibly happened this year. Since July 22nd of last season, Justin Steele has the best ERA in baseball. It's a 107 ERA. 
to go along with a 107 whip and a 10.21 strikeouts per nine. That is minimum 12 starts because I don't believe he pitched in September. What happened last year? Because he didn't, he like, he came up in like June, pitched in July, uh, but I don't think he threw any innings in September. Last year? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's right. I'm trying to figure out. I, I right, out. right before September, he made so he pitched all the way through June. Ju- like, yeah, no September starts. I'm trying. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. That's okay. Um, that's minimum twelve starts. Well, well lower, what's, ba- what's, lower what's, back, lower back strain. Okay. There Missed the last month yeah. of the season. Well, there you go. Like I like I told Jay Hay when he talked when he talked about uh Justin Steele the other day. What's impressive about what he's doing right now, too, specifically this season, it, it is quite literally two pitches. Two pitches. And forcing I, fastball and a slide piece. And he's so just need. fucking wiping wiping people out. And I got we got that's the new meta. Because that's what Strider throws. Mm. We, we got to mm. give love. To I that. think we've got to give love to that slide piece too, because it's a nasty ass pitch. That well, they're hitting oh seventy seven, three for thirty nine <laughs> with seventeen strikeouts. And if you go down to the movement page, he's got some of the most horizontal movement of any slider in baseball. It's uh, what's it at? It's a legit uh, average fifteen point seven inches of horizontal movement per. That's nine point two uh, versus average. 143% of break versus average. So it's uh, among the top three or four sliders in, in horizontal movement in baseball. That's yeah. a borderline sweeper. Yeah. Where's, where's Shohei oh. sweeper at? Uh, stand by. Fucking sweeper. I love it. <laughs> uh, his sweeper is giving us... Uh, by the way, I can't wait to be correct for our National League Cy Young pick, Dallas. Spencer Strider. Who's your pick? Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider. He's made five starts. He's got a 180 ERA right now. He has struck out. Stand by for this. 49 batters in 30 innings has a 169 FIP and a strikeouts per nine of 14.7. So, <laughs> yeah, that the he's he's leading the league in strikeouts. He's leading the league in FIP, and he's leading the league in strikeouts per nine. I don't That's think nice. the AL pick's gonna hit. You don't think that pick's gonna hit? <laughs> you I think he, said, he said AL. Yeah, AL. I, said, uh, I don't uh, think. Our, I don't. Well, think no, the there's AL... hey, a lot of lot of season left. Don't be a fucking negative Nancy. You know what? Right. Get the fuck out of right. here. I, I'm gonna kick whoa, you off whoa, the whoa. Alec Manoa pick. <laughs> I'm gonna kick you off. Uh, you want to stay on? It's, been, it's over now. Jared, it's as not a over. podcast, we're giving you a chance. We'll let you switch your pick <laughs> to Gary Cole if you want. We're giving you this one. You can nope. switch to Gary Cole right now. Don't want to. Nope. I'm sticking with Alec Manoa. I'm riding it out. Mm. Are you going to switch? No, I'm not switching. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a ride or die. I'm All a right. ride or die bitch. No, you're not. You fucking moved off the Jays to win the Yeah, I would just yeah, but I would smart. switch. I would switch again. How are you? I'm smart. Yeah. 
I'm smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we get what we were looking for, Jay? Yeah. Uh, Otani's sweeper has about 17 inches, about two more inches of horizontal movement compared to Steel's slider. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they're both nasty as shit. Yeah. That's, that's the takeaway. <laughs> both very good. <clears throat> both very good. Uh, Dallas, do you want to take any type of uh, victory lap with Jose Barrios? Why? Because he performed well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you picked him to win Cy Young, what, two years ago? And he's been fucking terrible ever since. You basically broke the guy. The I, I didn't break the guy. Yes, you did. He has been I put expectations on him because he pe- showed up in fucking Toronto and I wanted him to get him to the fucking playoffs. You broke and the guy. Keep rolling. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. No, look, he bounced what back. Denied for he's 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 been throwing the ball. He's been throwing the ball. Well, he had a couple rough outings to start the season. Uh-huh. Couple rough outings to start the season, and after that, I, Which I don't season give what this season. Oh, okay. I just needed to specify. It's been a lot of rough outings to start the season since you picked him to win the second. That's all right. Well, hey, so it was it was rough mm-hmm. this year yeah. after the first two starts, but I mean the last three starts. Pretty good. It's been good. Pretty good. The last three starts, 19 innings, just 11 hits. He's punched out 18 over that time, sporting Mm -hmm. a 1.42 ERA. The whip lines up. That's at a 1.91. Hitters are hitting 167 against the man. So, yeah, filling up the strike zone, 66% strike rate during that time. Mm. Command issues, all but gone. Can we feel that badly for Dallas that we need to give him a victory lap on a dude's one good start? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do. Oh, okay. oh okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. uh, we. Cool. It's, it's any- like a, it's a mental stimulation thing that we like to do to keep Dallas happy. Because if if we just <laughs> if we let Dallas just wallow in in depression <laughs> and sadness over the Oakland A's, got a fluff, got a fluff. It yeah, it would be bad for all of us. Like we need to lift Dallas up because it lifts <laughs> up the podcast. So true. So true. Been We're just giving him like a little doggy treat. Like, hey, you want to talk about Jose Barrios well, having one no. good start? <laughs> well, what I was going to say is what you do, uh, what you guys have to do is you have to treat me like the over the overactive dog who eats his food in like six seconds. You have to put it in a little maze dish where it stimulates <laughs> yeah. me and I have to figure out how to get it out and take my time. Don't fuck my digestive system up. Yeah. I'm happy to do it. You know? Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate I, that. I, uh, Jay Hayes, the kind of owner who just throws the fucking bag of food out there and lets me eat and fucking choke on myself. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. I've been. Oh, my God. I've been giving you little mouse droppers for years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just want to keep you happy. Yeah. But I still survive. I still survive. Yeah. Um, Joe, did you see my stat last night about Ozzy Albies? Uh, that he has the most home runs for extra base infielder. No, he has, uh, he has the most extra stat. base hits in the big leagues for second baseman since the start of 2018. It's not surprising. That little guy can fucking and knock him. Like Jared mm-hmm. Robb is out there, bro. Packs a punch. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I was just saying, like, he's short, you know? And sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> I'm taller than you. I mean, no, I knew, I knew, I'm usually not the guy who calls you short. It seemed out of character. You're not taller mm-hmm. than me. But wow. Fire I am taller than you. Bitch. 
little bitch is what he just said. <laughs> Joey just called you a little bitch. <laughs> what do you mean, oh, dude? I'm showing love because Ozzy and Ozzy Albies oh. is a smaller guy, but he's above average. How tall is short, Ozzy? Short five ass eight. pussy. <laughs> five eight? Yeah. Five eight, dude. Oh, Jerry's like, that's fuck. like he's five eight. <laughs> Probably like five six, <laughs> given the boost they get on those measurements. So he's probably Ozzy five, Albies probably like would come two. up to my nipples, dude. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. It's like Ozzy Albies five eight. Like that's above average, probably. Maybe if you took every single person, but just like Jared, who's also above average, he's hanging around tall, strong ass dudes like us all the time. Looks short. <laughs> fair, not that short. Very fair, Joe. Cast quite a shadow. <laughs> yeah, Jake is like sneaky on the taller side. How tall are you, Jake? I'm like 5'11". It's like 5'11", about- and he wears like work boots all the time. So he's walking around <laughs> like fucking 6'1". Jake, Jake and them Tims is like 6'3". Yeah. That's fair. Oh. Yeah, he's always well, wearing Tim's? fucking work boots. Yeah. It's like, you don't need the extra inches. You're 5'11", dude. Wear a fucking Converse and, and stop doing that. Shit. Yeah. Well, when's the last time you've done anything that has necessitated a large pair of working boots? <laughs> It's been a couple of years. It's <laughs> been <laughs> a couple of years. Yeah. Hey, but you know, you know what they say. You stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There could be a concrete job that just breaks out and Jake's going to be ready <laughs> we, for it. We got a guy for that. We're lined up. We got a guy for that. Yeah. Um, last but not least, Justin Verlander is returning soon. He has a rehab start this Friday uh, to be on the road to making his long-anticipated debut for the New York Mets. And uh, I, for one, am looking forward to it. His return, that is, not his rehab start. I don't think I'm going to be plugged in for that, unfortunately, but uh, I am excited for Justin Verlander's Mets debut. That one's going to be weird. Like when we look back on Justin Verlander's career, like 20 years after he retires, uh, I feel like we're going to part of the narrative is going to be like, remember when he played for the Mets at the end? Like, I feel <laughs> like that's going to be it. Unless, unless he wins a World Series there, then it's going to be like, isn't it weird that he went in? With like a Tigers cap, but won a World Series with every other team besides the Tigers. Well, and it's gonna like I think this is like, are we getting to the point of the baseball reference page where you start to see like, all right, like six starts, you know what I mean, and then nothing else after that, and th- that's what I don't want to happen. But I don't think Justin Verlander goes out in that fashion. I think. What you're still going to see from Justin Verlander the last time he takes the baseball, you're going to be like, dude, could you? I think we're going to think of him the same way we think of Nolan Ryan. Like, I, you wake him up right now, that motherfucker could get an out. Like, you put him on a mound right now, you feel like he could go get an out. And I think we're going to feel that way about Justin Verlander when it's all <laughs> said and done. But I do feel like we're going to look at this moment, like you said, Jared, and be like, this is very weird just because of how it started. He didn't start the season with him, you know? It is weird. Justin, Ver- Justin Verlander has faced and retired 23% of active major league managers. Hmm. Uh, what was that? Verlander? Zach Greinke also, right? 20% of active Granky, managers? 
Granky has struck out 20% of active managers, yeah. but he's faced and retired 30%. Okay, there you go. So these are two old fucks who are still getting it done. <laughs> and if you're the Mets and you're Verlander's back, you're excited, but like you guys both said, you're probably a little nervous. Well, what are you nervous about, really? Age, I, I, father, time. I, I feel like you had to have had fucking ninety-seven. Yeah, we don't know. And, we and, don't know. That. Anytime you're signing that guy up, you're 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 you've already got a contingency plan. I don't want to say in place, but you've got a pretty good idea of what direction you're going to travel. Should shit not work out with this guy, because there's no way that you sign that deal not having a game plan or not having an idea. Like you know what. If it goes south, well, we feel like we can make these steps. Well, we or got we Carrasco. Like we take- so if he does bad, we got Carrasco. <laughs> I don't know if that was quite the conversation. I don't know who the Mets have. Other than, I mean, they have him and Scherzer, who they're supposed to be their two best pitchers, supposed to win them a World Series. I think if Verlander does what you said and has who do they have? The they career- got fucking Scrooge McDuck as the fucking owner. That's who they got. Guys oh, just yeah. swimming in his fucking chips. He can't pitch. I don't know if Mets fans know this, but Steve no. Cohen doesn't have a glove, doesn't have a bat, but doesn't he, play for the team. But he will be more than willing to sign a paycheck for somebody who does and somebody who can. Who? In the middle of the season? Yeah. Trade, go, to, go, go, make a deal, go make a trade. <laughs> Barry Bonds. He'll do it. Bring back yeah, and, and we're talking about next year too. If this doesn't work out, he's got to look forward to next year. So, free agency, man, ram. If if the Mets don't win a World Series in the next five years, is Steve Cohen enough of a Mets fan to fire himself? <laughs> I, it's gonna be tough to blame Steve Cohen if they don't win a World Series in the next five years. I mean, you're the one that's making the decisions to pay these guys. You're like you're. It's nice that you're no, allocating the time, dollars towards the roster, but if you're allocating the dollars towards the wrong players, then that's on you. And if you're a big enough Mets fan and you're pissed that the Mets aren't winning, it starts at the top. You got to well, fire hold, yourself. Hold on, hold on. Where do we go? Where do we go though? You got. I, I know you're being tongue in cheek here, but if he's going to write the checks, if he's going to write the checks, that's what we're asking the owners to do. So done deal. From there, you're asking him to employ knowledgeable baseball people to help make educated decisions. Uh-huh. So if they're the ones who aren't prioritizing talent and utilizing their resources accordingly, Steve Cohen, it's not his problem in terms of not doing his job. He's like, I've given them the money, and I've also hired them to do what they're good at. They didn't do what we all needed them to do, so maybe I need to hire different people in that regard because the money's still there. I just need you to figure it the fuck out, pick the right people. I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how we got on the uh, the subject of Steve Cohen and winning World Series titles. Justin Verlander is coming back. This is a good thing. <laughs> we're being negative about the Mets. We didn't. Even, we're just so conditioned to think negatively about the Mets that Justin Verlander is coming back. Well, you this know, is good. That's this is positive news. This this not positive news, man. You got to see. You got to speak in Mets fans' terms. This is this is a potential disaster. <laughs> You know, say it, it's good and bad. You know, say it, he's got a, he could be amazing. That's what we want. But like, also, they could end like, like Steve Cohen could fire himself at the end of the year. If that's what I'm saying, if he doesn't get 10 like, K's, prove it. If you're such a big Mets fan, fire yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
That's how I feel about it. The Mets are only two games back of the big bad Atlanta Braves, and they've lost three straight games. Ooh. Ooh. 14 and 10, two games back. All right, we'll hang with them. We'll be back tomorrow. Baseball season's in full swing. And their game's on all day, every day. And while I'm watching all the games and recording all these podcasts every week, it can be tough to get a handle on it all. But thanks to Xfinity 10G Network, I can stay on top of everything. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire house full of devices with ultra-low lag, so you and everyone that you know can stream every single game at the same time and never miss a pitch. And if you're on the go, Xfinity has your back with millions of Wi-Fi hotspots introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. Uh, before we get out of here, any final thoughts from you, Jay? Hey, I do. I have two, actually. Please. Uh, first one, because I am an exceptionally petty person. Um, at the beginning of the season, uh, a company that won't be named put out a graphic with the best hitters in each division, and they put CJ Crone as the best hitter in the NL West on this division. I mocked that. They enjoyed their fun during the first week. Quick update on CJ, best hitter in the NL West, Crone. 21st among NL West batters in OPS at 719. He is fifth on his own team in OPS. It's a bad team, too, so not a good sign. And since April 2nd, he's hitting 169 with a 459 OPS. That's basically the whole season. Um, So good stuff there. Don't think he's going to end up as the best in the division. Uh, Second, final thought. You asked earlier why the the Tigers and not the Wolverines. I did a little hunting and pecking. The Tigers name is a tribute to the Detroit Light Guard a military unit that dates back to the early 1800s and earned its Tigers nickname during the Civil War. Um, Several light guard members were associated with local baseball clubs over the years, and the guards band used to perform at the game. So the Wolverines were originally a National League team. They then had to collapse, as lots of baseball teams did in the late 1800s. And then when the American League officially formed in 1901, the Detroit then Tigers were one of the founding teams. Interesting. That's uh, that's very impressive that you were able to to pull all that information <laughs> on the fly like that. Thank you. Yeah, um, the spicy Joey, nug. Final, yeah, that was that was a spicy one. Um, any any final thoughts from you, Joseph? Uh, final thought is um, no man. <laughs> Go brave! Shout out to Spencer Strider. I mean, the guy had thirteen strikeouts and his strikeout per nine went down. So. Yeah, <laughs> tell tell me that. Shout out to Mitchell. He he found that stat for me, and then yeah, and then Charlie Morton. Right after that, the guy's fastball velocity is going up, and he's thirty nine years old, four miles per hour faster at thirty nine than he was at twenty eight. That is interesting. And uh, I wrote him off. I was anti Morton. I thought he was falling off, but he's pitched like amazing last two starts. He's back. Braves World Series never left, but it's probably happening again. Okay. I think a lot of people probably feel that way, whether they're Braves fans or not. Um, yeah. Jake's takes. Uh, shout out Chris Sale beating the shit out of that cooler. I fucking hate those things too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dallas, any final thoughts here today? 
no, dude, I already gave love to uh, Brent Rooker and Jesus Aguilar, didn't I? No. Oh, I didn't. Well, let me take the time to do so because they oh, I should have said yes. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. No, that was the best part of the pod. It was right. <laughs> no. yeah, everyone loved it. Was it was so good. No. It was so good. It was really good. Yeah, it was. Well, it was so good. You know, <laughs> we're going to do it again. And that's exactly what they did. They went back to back once in the game the other night and they had so much fun doing that. They decided to do it again. Mm-hmm. So Brent Rooker, Jesus Aguilar become the first tandem in Oakland A's history to go back to back twice in the same game. That's right. Damn. Twice in the same game. And a special shout out to Brent Rooker, who entering this season had exactly zero multi-homer games. Uh, it's still April and he now has two multi-homer games. I think it's cool that there is absolutely no question that Aguilar and Rooker doing that is what we're going to remember about the A's 2023 campaign. Yeah. No, you're going to remember some some stud young arms on the mound is what you're going to remember. Mm. That's what you're going to remember. Like Mason on the Miller? visiting teams, I, I think there's a yourself. lot of great young pitchers. <laughs> I agree. Yep. <laughs> Miller Medina good takes last the mound night. tonight. He did. He looked good last night. Well, he, he looked rough, rough first inning. It, it really wasn't even his fault. I mean, a ball gets hit hard, sure, to center field. Ruiz breaking, ready to make the catch. And then you can watch the replay. The ball just goes like this. Whoop, just fucking took a hard right. And Ruiz was like, oh, God, you could see him like, what the fuck was that? Ball rolled all the way to the fucking wall. Three run score. Like just a brutal fucking break. Mm. Terrible break. Hate to see it. Uh, <laughs> but he bounced back and fucking shoved after that. Didn't allow any damage. Wow. It's like the ace players are fighting for their lives, man. They're like, God, I hope I do good enough to get traded at the all-star. <laughs> like <laughs> every game, like Brooker's just like, I need this so bad. Aguilar especially. But they had a kick-ass game against the the Angels two nights ago. That was an amazing game. And it was sad that Dallas, you weren't calling that game, but that was an amazing (laughs) slugfest. It was was unfortunate. It had been a good one to call. (laughs) That would be a very funny skit if... Like you see, like around like major league clubhouses on like trade deadline day, and like guys get traded and they're always like sad and they give hugs to their teammates and pats in the back and they're just sitting in their locker being like, man, this really sucks. I'm gonna be out of here and just the Oakland A's clubhouse on the day of trade deadline day to be getting the call that you're trading. <laughs> fuck yeah, let's go, baby. <laughs> let's get the fuck out of here. Oh man. Be like winning a contest. <laughs> You've been selected. You and four of your friends are going to Cancun for a 10-day all-expenses-paid trip. Oh, man. It's like, it's like opposite of Hunger Games. You get selected out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm rooting for Brent Rooker. That's going to be an ongoing thing now. We, uh, we want Brent Rooker to keep performing so that he can get traded. <laughs> you, you done? No, I, I, hey, we went a whole fight. We let you be happy. We talked about Berrios and the Pirates, and you know, we 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 let you be happy. Fair, yeah. All right, uh, we'll be back tomorrow for the Thursday episode. Thanks for listening again. As always, we are on YouTube. If you want to watch the entire episode of the podcast, uh, we put out episodes Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If you're new to the show, and uh, again, as I said last episode, if you have friends that are baseball fans, tell them about baseball is dead. Don't hog. Don't don't gatekeep us. I know you're in a fucking fantasy league. Tell your friends about baseball is dead. The more the merrier. 
Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you watching. And we'll see you tomorrow. We gone.